Hey, everybody, welcome to the Addiction Unlimited podcast, where you get to learn everything you want to know about addiction and recovery. I'm your host, Angela Pugh, co-founder of Kansas City Recovery, life coach, and recovering alcoholic. To learn more about me, you can listen to episode zero on your podcast app or find us on the web at addictionunlimited.com. Hello, my friend. Welcome to episode number 212 of the Addiction Unlimited podcast. I'm your coach, Angela Pugh, life coach, recovering alcoholic and entrepreneur. And this is a coaching podcast where I help you get control of your life back. Something that's been coming up constantly in my world (laughs) is overscheduling. And I know that doesn't come as a shock to many of you because a lot of you give me a hard time for doing so much anyway, but I definitely catch myself in these periods of time where I'm really overscheduling myself. And it's not intentional, right? It's usually when I'm kind of just having a lot of fun and and I'm like, oh yeah, I'd love to do that. Yeah, sure. I can do that. Yeah, let's connect. And then I catch myself in a spot where I'm feeling really tired and run down. And I'm like, okay, now we need to look at this. And my life definitely in the last several months has gotten fuller. Um, I had my baby brother and his family who used to live in Denver moved back to Kansas City and they live really close to me. And that little nephew is two and a half. And, uh, and he's one of the coolest kids I've ever met in my life. So it's really hard for me to not go to their house like every single day and play with my nephew. (laughs) So that has been a struggle. Of course, that's a beautiful struggle, but also, you know, firsthand exactly what I'm talking about. You just have so much busyness. And if you've been listening to me for any period of time, or if you're a member of the membership community, sober society or the VIP community, or you work with me individually, you know, I'm a huge proponent of taking care of yourself and having fun. And I just had a night the other night out with a couple of girlfriends that honest to God was one of the most fun nights I've had in a long time. And I think I didn't realize how much I needed it until I was like driving home. And I was like, oh my gosh, like, I just feel so happy and elated and grateful and all of those wonderful things, you know, because I've just been really busy in in recent weeks. And again, I've caught myself over scheduling my time and running around like a crazy person. I also had a dear friend pass away from cancer. So my emotions have been high. I've been tired and I really needed a happy moment. You've probably heard me say this a million times you have to be even more aware of self-care in those times where you feel yourself run down, right? And this could be like, for me, I'm really recognizing the last several weeks I've overscheduled myself and I've been running a little crazy. However, the same thing can happen just in an afternoon, right? If you have a conversation with somebody you care about and it doesn't go well, maybe it's awkward. Maybe you disagree a little bit. Maybe your boss says something a little off to you that gets you questioning things. It can be something that small also that will leave you emotionally in a vulnerable place. And when you have one of those moments, that's when it's super important to have some self-care. Take some time 
and figure it out to refuel yourself. That's what you really have to do. Whenever you are in a a time of stress, whether it's work stress or a difficult day with your kids, an argument with your partner, any of those things, when life makes a withdrawal from your emotional and physical wellness in that time, it's more important than ever to take the time to refuel yourself. Do something fun to make you laugh or have some quiet time to yourself. Whatever it is that makes you happy and restores your energy, take extra time to do that because it leaves you vulnerable when you spread yourself too thin or you have an emotional situation you're dealing with, then you are vulnerable to all kinds of bad decisions. And we all get caught up in life, right? You're doing work and dealing with deadlines. You're doing kids and sports and practices and their friends. You're doing dinner and homework and bath time and trying to have some sort of adult conversation with your partner (laughs) and deal with the rest of your family. Some days all of that goes smoothly and some days it feels like an absolute mess and you just want to sit down and cry. I've had several of those days in the last few weeks that I just ran myself too tired, really. That's what it comes down to, just too tired. And that's when you need some time to refuel. So my amazing girlfriend came across this new spirit-free Sunday thing in my city and asked if I wanted to go. Spirit-free meaning alcohol-free, right? No spirits. Of course I wanted to go. So I reached out to my Kansas City crew, all my girls that are local that have worked with me. Uh, We try to get together regularly. So we made reservations and a few of us went to this incredible place. And it's just beautiful and upscale. It was right up my alley. It was a stunning venue. And you guys, we laughed. We ate food. We had these beautiful mocktails we talked about skincare. We talked about boys. We talked about our favorite TV shows. And it was one of the best nights I've had in a long time. I'm so grateful for friends and for opportunities like that. And I really want to encourage you to seek out some fun things to do with your friends. Make personal time a priority. In my Sober Society member community, we are having a focus on scheduling personal things, fun things, refuel yourself things (laughs) on a monthly basis. I even made them a worksheet about it. And this will help you manage your stress better. You feel more calm and you get control of your life back. And that's really what we're here for. So that's my self-care rant for the day, my friends. If you are not taking care of yourself, take a moment and do it. Plan something, do something, go somewhere, whatever it is for you. Take a moment today and make that magic happen. And now let's get into our episode today. This is the first time I've done one of these and I'm going to do a Q&A episode, question and answer. I get questions all the time about everything, and (laughs) I spend a lot of time in our Facebook group answering many of them, and I decided I should take some questions from the Facebook group and answer them for all of our listeners in an episode, and I thought this would be fun because if you guys are posting them in the Facebook group, then I know other listeners probably have the same questions, right? And 
I'll tell you, we have a ton of listeners that are not in the Facebook group. So I thought it would be a good crossover. And the first one I want to start with is about dating. And I love this question. You guys know I'm a single girl. So these dating questions crack me up. And relationships are the other thing I study, uh, like addiction. So (laughs) of course, my two greatest struggles in life are what I study, addiction and (laughs) relationships. So here it is. When it comes to romantic relationships, do you only date people who are completely sober as well? Or are you open to dating casual drinkers? If so, what sort of conversation do you have about it? I'm usually upfront about it right away when I meet someone, just curious how others navigate this. I'll tell you, this is like everything, right? It's a deeply personal choice that you have to make. And for me, it was like trial and error. I had to do all the different things to figure out what I really didn't like, what was not comfortable for me and what was comfortable for me. I have definitely dated other people who are 100% sober, Um, not only alcoholics, I've definitely dated drug addicts who have gotten clean and sober as well. And I've dated people who were casual drinkers, and I dated people who were alcoholic drinkers (laughs) in my sobriety in the early years. So for me, I'll tell you some of the struggles I've had with casual drinkers or now a super casual drinker, like a person that has one drink with dinner, like that would never bother me. I'll say it wouldn't actually be my preference. I think the person for me is probably someone who just isn't interested in alcohol. You know, that it's not even on their radar. They're not worried about having one glass of wine with dinner. Like it, like they just don't care about it. Right. And I know a ton of people that just don't drink because they just don't drink. So I think that would probably really be my ideal person where alcohol is just not on their radar at all. So here's some of my experiences. So I dated someone many years ago who was, I would say a casual drinker, like he definitely didn't drink out of control and get crazy. He would have a few drinks, get to a place he would get pretty buzzed and then he would stop. Um, His focus then really would shift to food. (laughs) He just wanted to eat. But I'll tell you the struggle I had with that. He would have a couple of drinks and you know how you get when you have a couple of drinks, right? Your inhibitions go down. You love everybody. You're telling everybody you love them and you get extra touchy, um, not in a bad way, but I mean affectionate. And it was really confusing for me because we would be out and I would have this dude a couple of drinks in. He's like, oh my gosh, you're the greatest person. Where have you been all my life? I could see myself marrying you, all these things. But I never really knew. I mean, I didn't want to marry him, but I I never knew, like, does he mean that? Or is that just his tipsy self-talking? Because that's how you get after a few drinks. So it definitely created some confusion for me. So that was my experience with somebody. He was maybe a little more than a casual drinker. He wasn't a, a drunk or an alcoholic by any stretch, but but he would have a few drinks and get tipsy. And then the other part of this question was how to navigate like having the conversation. So obviously for me, I think this conversation is a little bit different because I'm so public about my recovery. It is my most 
proud accomplishment in my life. And like, I would never hide it for any reason. It's just, it's the greatest thing that's ever happened to me. So I'm super proud of that, right? I don't have any fear about sitting down and having a conversation saying I don't drink, like none of that bothers me. I will say, I definitely have friends that get a little weird about that. And they think, they feel a sense of rejection if somebody doesn't respond well to them not drinking. And I understand that too. But my train of thought has always been, there are a lot more people that aren't going to be a right fit than people that will be a right fit. So for me, I'm happy to weed those people out, right? Like, listen, if me being sober is a deal breaker for you, fantastic. Like, let's figure that out and move on. I don't need to waste your time. Let's not waste my time. Like, I love that. You know, (laughs) I love that moment when you go, oh, yeah, this isn't going to be my person. And you could just have that conversation. Everybody can move forward. But I know other people definitely internalize those things as rejection, right? They get sad if it doesn't work out or if somebody doesn't like something about you, you you make it kind of a personal thing and get sad. For me, I love it. I'm just like, yeah, kick ass. Let's rule it out. Absolutely. Wish you the best. But I know one of my girlfriends in particular, she does the dating apps and stuff. And she has been like, I don't know what how she's doing it right now, but I know in the past, she has been more private about being sober. But for me, I think like, I would rather you know, I don't drink. I am such a different person and so protective of my personal time. So I want to have all of that like squared away before I ever take time away from my dog or my family or my work to go meet somebody in person right? I don't want to walk in and be surprised. So for me, if I were doing dating apps, like that would be, or if I didn't have it on my profile, maybe that would be a part of a first conversation in figuring out where to go. Like that's an easy thing to work it in. Like, yeah, I don't drink. So I don't want to go somewhere that's really like nightclubby or super drunk. You know, (laughs) like I don't mind a restaurant that serves alcohol. Great. But I don't want to go sit somewhere where the point of being there is to get wasted. Like that's not my vibe. I'm not in my 20s. You know, I'm a grown-up. I want to go to a grown-up place. So it would be easy to me to work that into a conversation. But I like being very upfront about that because I don't want to waste my time or waste their time. I don't want to him and haw and create a relationship where I know I'm hiding this thing. And maybe you see somebody a second date, a third date, a fourth date, and you're still hiding <laughs> this thing. And you're not going to feel good about it. And it is misleading. It's definitely misleading and unfair to the other person also. When I'm on a date and have some hope of maybe a second date, I want to feel like the person across from me is being honest with me. I want to feel like I'm actually getting to know them. And again, being secretive is different than being private. It's okay to be private. Obviously, you don't sit down on a first date and spill all your drama But I think that is a very important detail that I want to be honest about from the beginning. So there's my dating experience. (laughs) And I'd love to hear from you guys too in the Facebook group. I would love to hear your thoughts and what your experiences have been with dating. So we can continue that conversation uh, in the Facebook group after the episode. Okay, next question. 
How long did it take for you to stop thinking, oh, a drink would make this so much better, uh, that not drinking became a way of life? So I'll tell you, again, my personal experience with this was, this was pretty instant for me because my rock bottom moment that made me stop drinking uh, for those of you that don't know, I got sober uh, because I got in a car accident. I was in a car accident, 70 miles an hour on the freeway. I hit another car and there was a moment that I thought I killed the person that I hit. And I was standing on the side of the freeway trying to figure out how I'm going to call my mom and tell her I just killed somebody. Like that's really what was going through my head. And the real drama in all of that, uh, the, the person I hit was fine, by the way, I was the only person injured. Um, and the real drama behind that for me was I, I was so selfish as we all are in our addictions, right? I was so selfish. I knew I could hurt myself. I did not care about hurting myself, but it never crossed my mind that I could hurt another person. And so being in that sort of state of shock, I would assume, I was probably in a little bit of shock after my accident. From that moment forward, I never thought a drink would make anything better. Drinking was no longer a way of life for me from that second forward. Um, I did not spend a bunch of time worrying about my old life um, I did not spend a bunch of time worrying about anything. To be honest with you, all of my energy and focus just went into building my new life. That's all I cared about. I knew whatever I did as the drinking version of me, I did not need to be doing as the sober version. So I went against everything that was comfortable, right? You hear me talk about all the time you have to get comfortable being uncomfortable because I can't stay in my comfort zone. My comfort zone was drunk. So I don't have any business there if I'm trying to build a sober life. I had to get out of that comfort zone in every way. So when something was happening throughout my day, if my brain's instant response to something was, oh, hell no, I'm not doing that, then I knew I needed to do that. <laughs> like That's how I lived my life. Whatever my brain told me, I did the opposite because my brain was trained to be drunk in that comfort zone and to be selfish and to be passive and to be miserable and to be lazy. You know, my brain was trained to be all the things I didn't want to be any longer. So it was a pretty big moment for me. And I think, you know, this is the sad part. We talk about rock bottom all the time and people are now wanting to stop drinking so much earlier in the process before they have a really bad rock bottom moment. And at the same time, I think this is one of the struggles because if you don't have a moment like that where something clicks in your head and says, dude, you cannot do this anymore. And that's what it was for me. It was like, this is no longer an option, period. <laughs> it just wasn't an option. And if you don't have a moment of desperation that gives you that very succinct yes and no situation, then it's hard to stay stopped. And I think that's one of the things that people struggle with so much. If you don't have a major rock bottom moment, you can always still kind of believe that alcohol is an option or that alcohol is going to make it feel better. And then you don't do the work 
to be able to just feel better without any substance. And that's the key is you have to do that work to be able to self-soothe, to understand things in a different way. And so when things happen in your life, it doesn't drag you down so much. So you don't have those skills when you rely on a substance or another person, you know, because that could be the same thing with some really bad codependence. You don't develop your own coping skills. That's why alcohol still sounds like a good idea because it's still your main coping skill. So you got to figure out other coping skills to um, to understand that alcohol is not going to make anything better. A drink is not going to make anything better. You can make stuff better. You can make things feel better. You can make yourself feel better. You can make your life better. But alcohol can't do that for you. It just numbs. And then all your drama just waits for you to not be drunk anymore. And the next question is kind of in this same, you know, coping skills conversation. Is coping with stress, anxiety, and angst easier now that you are sober? Meaning, does that need or craving for a crutch to help tone down all the stuff running through your head ever go away? Yeah, for sure. And the result you get is directly dependent on the energy you put into it. So if I think about how I was when I got sober, how I was as a human being, how I lived my life, how I responded to my life, those were all the things I had to change, right? I was an instant gratification person. I always wanted the instant gratification. I could not sit and be uncomfortable or bored or anything for more than three seconds. So those were muscles I had to start exercising. I had to get better at not going for the instant gratification and recognizing that like when I'd be shopping and I'd want to buy the thing, even though I didn't need it, or I'd be shopping for a certain thing and they wouldn't have the one I wanted. So I would just buy the one I didn't even really like because I wanted the instant gratification. Like that's how I approached my life. I was constantly just jumping from one thing to the next, one job to the next, one person to the next. Jump, 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 always for instant gratification. I never dedicated myself to anything. And also running. I would jump from thing to thing also because I would be running away, right? If I had a job and all of a sudden I had a bad night at work, you know, as a bartender, if I had a bad night at work or if my manager said something to me that I didn't like, I was gone in a split second. And I had a reputation as a bartender that I could do that. Anybody was happy to take me. So... I never had to worry about a job, but I never could stay. I didn't have staying power. I couldn't stay and work through an uncomfortable situation or conversation. I would just bail. I was always running away. Another thing for me was I was very codependent and all of us are certainly in active addiction, certainly in early sobriety super codependent. And that caused me to make a lot of really crappy decisions. And when you're making crappy decisions, then you are going to create crappy circumstances. That's how it works. When you choose a behavior, choose a thing, you are also choosing the consequence of that. So as a codependent person, I just made decisions for all the wrong reasons. So I was always creating drama in my life. So that was something I had to just chill out. I had to learn to do that differently. 
I had to start learning to think for myself, be on my own, make decisions in my life that were best for me, not make decisions to get the feeling I wanted or (laughs) create the relationship I thought I wanted. I had to start looking at things with a more realistic lens and making decisions that were good for me. So that had to change. The other thing was I was super dramatic. I mean, I really thought that God hated me. I'm not even a God person, but I really thought God hated me and wanted to punish me. And a lot of that, and that's the truth, by the way, I kind of say that with a joking tone, but that's the truth. I literally thought I was a curse and I was cursed. So I thought I had it built up in my head that like I deserved to be punished. And all of that goes back to self-esteem and self-loathing, right? Because I did some really crappy things in my life and I didn't feel good about myself because I did those crappy things. And I always had this sense of, oh, if if people knew I did this thing or did that thing, then they wouldn't like me anymore. If they knew who I really was, they wouldn't want to be a part of my life. And so I felt like I was always being punished. So when the tiniest thing would happen in my life, I would explode. My response would be so big and dramatic and angry and mean, right? And it could be anything, but I was so freaking dramatic. And what I'll tell you now, 200 years later, is there are very few things that happen in our lives that deserve that kind of response. Like, I don't have that kind of response to anything anymore, (laughs) you know? There is no explosion. There is no losing my temper. I don't do any of those things because I worked really hard on myself to change those pieces of myself. So do I need a crutch now? No. Do I sometimes use a crutch? Sure. Food for sure can be a crutch for me. I can definitely eat something just to make myself feel better. I have to be mindful of that. But I don't have so much stress and anxiety and angst because I've done so much work on those other pieces of myself that now I really love me and I'm really proud of who I am and I make good choices so I don't have all the drama and chaos in my life. I don't bring bad people into my life, which I used to, right? Again, instant gratification. I dated the worst people because all I cared about was he was hot, right? So he could have been the worst person on the planet and I would invite him right into my life because he was hot and that's all I cared about. Instant gratification. And then you see dating somebody who isn't good, who lies, who cheats, all those things, then that brings all that drama and chaos with it. So all this stuff is connected, but when you sit back and take a breath and you get yourself together and you do this good work on yourself, then you don't need a crutch so much. I hope that answered that question. That was a good question. And this last one, this is the last question I chose and it literally just cracked me up and it goes perfectly with (laughs) the conversation we've been having too about ourselves. It says, honestly, how many of you actually really do have or believe in a higher power or you're only saying that to pacify the group? (laughs) Now, listen, the first thing I want to say about this is if you are saying things just to pacify your group, 
the first thing I would be working on is codependence because that's total codependence. I want to say the right thing or do the right thing so everybody likes me or so nobody disagrees with me because I don't like confrontation. So that's codependence. We got to work on that first and foremost. It is better to not say anything at all than to say something just to pacify a situation. My experience with higher power, uh, I think for people who have a religious background, this obviously is a much easier journey for them. Now, I grew up around some people who were extremist, extreme religious people, and they were very damning and mean, and it freaked me out. And they really weren't very nice. You know, they were very judgmental and condescending. So from a very young age, I kind of went a different direction away from religion. So when I first got to AA, I didn't care that other people have that belief system because it's none of my business what anybody else is doing or what somebody else is believing. It literally is just none of my damn business. And I did have to have that conversation with myself before I went to my first meeting because it was a concern, like so many people are freaked out about how much it says God in the steps and in the book and whatever, because it was written in the 30s, everything was about God. And I had to have that conversation with myself. I was like, Angela, I was 33 and a half when I got sober. I'm like, Angela, you're a freaking adult, dude. Nobody can force you to go to church. Like you're perfectly capable of saying, no, thank you. <laughs> like You're fine. Nobody can make you do anything. Go sit down and shut up. And that's what I did. So I don't care what anybody else's belief system is none of my business. And if I'm judging them, I've got bigger issues to work on, you know. So I sat in the rooms for a long time and really my group was my higher power. And I understood it in a way that was like, it was my group was really what guided me. It was like my North Star every day. I thought about my group and I couldn't wait to get there and let them know I was still sober. So that was kind of my higher power, right? It guided me. It gave me something to plan for and look forward to and feel good about. So for a long time, that was just it, right? My group was my higher power and and that worked forever. And at some point... I got back in touch with my spirituality, which I was a pretty spiritual person, of course, when I lived in Los Angeles, because that's much more a way of life there. And once I got sober, I started really getting back in touch with that piece of myself. And I'm a universe person. I practice law of attraction, visualization, things like that, which is kind of my version of prayer, I guess. But I have a very loose sort of belief system that is probably a hodgepodge of many religions, <laughs> to be honest. I don't know that I would say I follow any one thing, but I absolutely have an understanding that there is a greater purpose than me, right? And I don't believe in coincidences. And I've had so many situations as when you really think about it, you could all recognize, you know, the person's name crosses your mind that you haven't seen in five years. And the next day you run into them in the grocery store, right? Like I don't believe in coincidence. 
I believe those things happen for a reason. I believe everyone is brought into my life for a reason. I am brought into everyone else's life for a reason. All of these things have purpose behind them. So that is my higher power story. When I didn't have a higher power, I sure the heck wasn't sitting in there telling people I had a higher power (laughs) just to pass by the group. That's not really my style anyway, but it just wasn't something I talked about. You know, I just didn't really engage so much in those conversations. That's when I would get more quiet and listen and observe because there's, you know, the principles of a traditional God relationship versus a Buddha, Allah, universe, whatever thing you might practice, I think a lot of the principles are the same. Uh, Don't kill people, don't steal. Like, I think the premise underlying everything is that we all want to be good human beings, most of us. So I don't need to judge anybody else for what their belief system is if it's different than mine. And I certainly don't want to be judged for mine. But if somebody wants to judge me, you know, they're perfectly allowed to. It's none of my business. Don't say anything to pacify the group, right? Because that's a whole other thing. Work on some codependent stuff and get comfortable with who you are. Build your sense of self and know where you stand. And then you don't have to say anything to pacify your group. The other thing I would say on this is don't pressure yourself. Don't be in a big freaking hurry to figure it out like you have to have all the answers. It will come to you in time. All you have to do is be open and listen. See, that's how I started to understand the concept of a higher power was by listening to other people talk about it. And I was like, oh, okay, that makes sense to me. Like, yeah, I get that concept and that does make sense. You know, they say God moments like I was talking about. You think about somebody you haven't thought about or haven't seen in five years and you run into them in the grocery store. That's, you know, an AA language would be a God moment. For me, that's a higher power moment. Other people call it a God shot, right? Like it's, to me, it is intentional though. So don't think that you have to have all the answers. You have to know exactly what your belief system is. Just get curious and get quiet. Don't worry about what anybody else is thinking about you or what you're thinking, you know? Just get quiet and listen and start to gather information And you will develop your own sense of what makes sense to you. And that's the important thing. You just have to know what makes sense to you. I hope this helps you guys. If you want your questions answered, get in the Facebook group, put them in there. Um, What is it? Facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash addiction unlimited. You can find us there. We'd love to have you tons of support and love and incredible humans in that group. I'm so proud of you guys, everybody that's a member there. And I will see you in that Facebook group. I hope you're having a fantastic day, you guys. I'll see you next week. You've reached the end of another great episode of the Addiction Unlimited podcast, candid and honest conversation about addiction and recovery. Be sure to visit us at addictionunlimited.com to join the conversation and access show notes and links to everything we talked about. Love this episode? Please take 30 seconds to subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes to help us improve and give you the information you want. Thanks for listening. See you next week.